When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days. Where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the purple and gold universe, delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. What's going on, everybody? This is Justin from Purple and Gold for Days, and this is a Vikings First and Scold production. What is going on, everybody? It is great to have you with me. The Minnesota Vikings did not extend their winning streak. They lose on Sunday Night Football to the Denver Broncos 21-20. Gosh darn it. As the late, great Denny Green would say, if you want to crown them, crown them. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Uh, 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 uh. Well, that's all right. If there was a game to lose, losing against an AFC team on the road... Sunday Night Football. I'm not saying you want to lose. You never want to lose. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play. (laughs) That's all right, though. It's just one game. The season's not over. In fact, it's just getting started. They're six and five. They're still in prime playoff position to win a wild card. The division might be out of reach. You know, we talked about for a couple of weeks, hey, we just need to stay within two games of Detroit because we're going to have two games against them in the last three and if we win those two games hey we win the division well that's gonna be tough we gotta do the nfc north roundup and uh didn't go well for us this weekend aside from the fact that the vikings lost the green bay packers pulled out a victory over the los angeles chargers of anaheim that team uh the chargers how we lose to those guys by the way Anyway, Green Bay played like garbage. They're still terrible, but you know what? They're not all that far behind us. But congratulations, Green Bay. You just screwed up your draft position anymore. You're not going anywhere. It was an ugly win. Uh, A couple of drop passes from some wide receivers all throughout the game. The Chargers should have won that game by 10 points. But alas, congratulations. We're happy for you. The Detroit Lions escape from the Chicago Bears. Talk about They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. If you want to crown them, then crown them. All right, crown them. But, you know, here's here's the thing. I'm not really hating on Detroit for winning a close game because you take a W any way you can get it. You take the W any way you can get it. But here's what I don't understand. 
Last year, the Vikings were, oh, they're just lucky. Oh, they're fraudulent. Oh, they're winning all these close games and their ex- points above expected or their point margin, marginal stuff, whatever the heck you want to call it. <laughs> point differential, I suppose. Oh, they have a negative point differential. They're not any good. Okay, keep that same energy is all I'm saying. Keep the same energy for the Detroit Lions that you had for the Vikings last year in national media. All of a sudden, Detroit's the darlings. Oh, well, they beat Kansas City by one point, and they didn't have Kelsey or, or Jones. Great. We're happy for you. I mean, again, you don't, have to take, you don't have to apologize for that win, but this notion that Detroit are the darlings of the NFC, and they're only behind Philly and San Francisco, but they're they're a great team. No, they're, they're a good team. And they had some bounces, but the Bears were up by 12 points with four minutes left to go. That is almost as bad as when the Packers blew that NFC championship game against the Sea Chickens. Okay. So, you know what, Detroit? Congratulations. You're the king of the North right now. And we've lost our ability to control our own density. I mean, your destiny. It's a reference to Back to the Future, if y'all didn't know that. If you didn't know Back to the Future, come on now. Anyway, jokes aside, Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers will be the lid lifter of Thanksgiving this Thursday. And at the end of the day, it still is a win-win for the Vikings. Because if Detroit wins, that means Green Bay loses. We're always good to have Green Bay lose anytime, much less on Thanksgiving Day. And if somehow the Green Bay Packers win, well, then that means Detroit lost. So it's a win-win. But for right now, anyway, <laughs> that division is looking a little sketchy. Yeah, I know. We got a pretty easy schedule. We got some good games coming up. So do they. Okay, their schedule is every bit as easy as ours. So... Might need to put the kibosh on the division talk for a couple of weeks anyway. We'll see what happens. We'll see. But it just makes me feel. It gives me the heebie-jeebies that we're pulling for Green Bay to win. Ugh. But I digress. The defense did its job yesterday. A lot of people say, oh, the defense couldn't get a stop at the end and gave up that touchdown way too easy. All right, let's break the whole thing down. Your offense turned the ball over three times. And on those three possessions, the Denver Broncos got exactly nine points. That's three field goals. Well, they could stop them. Okay. First one, third play of the game. They're down inside the red zone, pert near. Holding to a field goal. That's a victory. Russell Wilson didn't get anything done for the first 58 minutes. And yes, Russell Wilson does have a propensity to come up clutch. And he came, he, he came up clutch. You got to give him credit. You got to give him credit. The only thing that I will say about the defense yesterday was on that last drive, I would have preferred a little bit more than just three-man rushes and occasional fourth man. Get a blitz in there. Do something different. But... When you've only given up five field goals through the first 58 minutes and your offense isn't putting that team away, the defense is the only reason we was in that game. Yeah, they had the offense had a couple of good drives that we'll talk about here in a minute. But defense, I heard too many people yesterday saying, hey, oh, the defense wasn't all that good yesterday. What? 21 points on the road, five field goals and one touchdown and stopped them on a two-point conversion to give your offense a chance to just need a field goal to win? I'm sorry, I'm not listening to anything about how the defense didn't do it. Yeah, it did. Now, if we want to talk about Makai Blackman. <laughs> he did not have a good game yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. He really did not. It's kind of bad, actually. Now, was it horrible? Like, oh my gosh, cut the guy? No, I'm not saying that, but could have used Caleb Evans, a little bit of a bigger, more physical cornerback. Makai Blackman got picked on a lot yesterday. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. This ain't college anymore. But what I will say is this. I'm really not happy with Makai Blackman's coverage on that touchdown. Aside from the fact that he gave up a touchdown. And Josh Metellus was out of position, too. But I'm going to say it like this. He just stood there like he was an outfielder waiting for the pop fly to come down. It's like, 
he did not react anywhere close to as fast as he should have reacted. And it's just like, why are you just standing there? Move, hit, hit the guy, do something. Standing around doing nothing. And I said this last week on the Chris Olave touchdown in the back corner of the end zone. Yes, I know. As a defensive back, you want to get an interception. You want to force a turnover. You want to get the ball back in the game, whatever the case may be. If you are not 100% that you can get to that ball, just let the wide receiver catch it and push him out of bounds. Don't let him land in bounds. Sometimes your better strategy is to just let him catch it in the air. If it's a higher ball like that, let him catch it and push him and don't let him land. I get it. I never played football. I don't know what it's like to be an NFL player, but it would seem simple to me that if the rules are the way they are, take advantage of what the rules are. The guy's got to come down and you can push him out of bounds. I'm not saying push him out of bounds before the ball gets there. That ball hung up in the air for about 15 seconds. I mean, geez, he just threw it up there. Fair catch it, pop fly, whatever you want to call it. My goodness. Ball just sat up there and sat up there. So again, if you're not going to react well enough, and you know you're not going to be, he totally mistimes his jump. He wasn't in position. It's like, dude, just knock the guy out of bounds. But sans that, yeah, Russell Wilson, what did he do much of last night? Check down here, check down there, occasional pass completion here, there. Defense did its job, yo. And without Jordan Hicks, by the way, Pace Gang, Ivan Pace played every snap, and he was, was he spectacular? No, but he was representative. He was representative, absolutely. And what did they do on the ground? Not much. He was a terror in, on run defense. So right now, I'm not listening to anybody say that the defense didn't do a good enough job just because they gave up a score with you know 103 left on the clock. They were the only reason the Vikings were in that game. And as I said, they did come up clutch and stop the two-point conversion, which means you were only down one where you just needed to get in field goal range. We'll talk about that final drive here in a little bit, but... No, defense did enough. And it's most it's a game of inches because we got three turnovers offensively, didn't get any on defense, right? Live and pace on that game uh, winning drive for the touchdown actually did strip a guy. The problem is, is the ball just rolled right out of bounds. He just needed to be two feet a little inward from the sidelines because there were two other Vikings players right there to pounce on it. Game of inches, game of inches. But as far as the defense go, no, I, I really don't have too many qualms about him, particularly with the fact that, again, you didn't have Jordan Hicks. Anthony Barr made an appearance. Okay, not bad for coming off the street, coming off the scrap heap, so to speak. And again, I, I, we got one more week before the bye. We got the Bears, who, again, just completely crapped the bed. We should be all right next Monday night. We'll get to that a little bit later here. But defense did his job. I'm not listening to anybody say otherwise. Were they perfect? No. Were they the Baltimore Ravens of 2000 or the 85 Bears? No. But this defense was never designed to be that. It was designed to be just okay. And they've been better than just okay. They've been pretty, pretty, pretty good. So I ain't listening to this mess about the defense didn't do its job. Yeah, it did. Let's get to it. Missed opportunity. You say that about the whole team. You say that about the offense. But most importantly, the head coach. Now, here's the deal. The Vikings this year are 1-2 and two against teams above 500 with winning records and are 2-3 and three against teams with 500 record or better. That's true. And KLC does not walk on water. But you got to remember, this is his second season as a head coach. But I'm going to say this. Why in the world am I coming on my show or going on Vikings First and Skull or any other channel that i contribute to why am i still talking about alexander madison as the vikings number one running back 
frankly, the only thing that I'm more tired about talking about is Kirk Cousins. Okay, let that sink in for a second. We shouldn't even be talking about Kirk Cousins right now. It's the only thing that I want to talk about less is Kirk Cousins because I am so sick and tired of this. I, I used the phrase in the offseason, no more sacred cows. And I was referring at the time to players that have been here for a long time and gotten special preferential treatment and, you know, guys like Adam Thielen and Eric Kendricks and Dalvin Cook. It's like, now put the sacred cows out to pasture. Here's the thing about KOC that I absolutely don't like. Again, I'm not trying to be alternative over one loss on the road by one point. This is an overall thing. Stop being too loyal and doing things that are hurting the team. Okay. This time last year. Roughly, we had just gotten mollywopped by the Dallas Cowboys after that knockdown, drag out, 15 round heavyweight bout against the Buffalo Bills. We won in overtime. We came home and got destroyed by the Cowboys 40 to 3. And everybody in the world was saying it's time to get rid of Ed Donashell. Now, at the time, I said, okay, we got a game in four days on Thanksgiving night. We, we had the uh, headliner against the New England Patriots. So I said, you can't make a change when you only got four days to prepare. Okay, fine. Then Mac Jones went for like 400-some yards against us. Mac Jones, who's terrible. And at that point where I was like, I don't care that we just won. We need to get rid of Ed Donichel, or we at least need to take away defensive play calling away from him. Okay. Kevin O'Connell didn't do that. He said, no, I'm right. I'm, I'm dancing with the girl who brought me here. At the end of the season, he made a move to get rid of Ed Donichel. We should have done it sooner. So I feel like this Alexander Madison thing is reminiscence of that, where He's just being too loyal. Listen, it's nothing personal against Alexander Madison. As I said, we've had his father on the channels with us, met his father at Skullfest uh, the night before the week one game against Tampa Bay, met some of his family, loved the guy. He's a great and wonderful human being. So I'm not saying anything personal. But what I am saying is Alexander Madison, he's just a guy. He's a good change of pace back. But that's it. He's not a bell cow. And I'm not even really here to say that Ty Chandler absolutely is a bell cow, but I'd like to see it. The definition of insanity. Same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? Okay. Put Ty Chandler in there. Yesterday, let's take out the run, that fourth that fourth down uh, uh, fake punt. I mean, yes, it's a carry, but it's not a play from scrimmage. Alexander Madison had 18 carries. Ty Chandler had nine. There is no way. Alexander Madison should be getting twice as many carries as Ty Chandler. None. And I don't want to hear this BS about, well, he's not very good at picking up the blitz. Okay, yes. Yesterday, he didn't get the best blitz pickup, which ultimately led to the Josh Dobbs interception. That's one play. Stop acting like they didn't blitz when Ty Chandler was in there any other play but that one. He had three or four good blitz pickups. Every running back is going to have their good blitz pickups and their bad blitz pickups. That's just reality. And to try to say, well, you can't have Ty Chandler be the guy because he can't pick up the blitz. Look at this one play. Okay, come on. We got to have a bigger sample size than one play. And yeah, it was a bad play. It ended up being one of our three turnovers. I get that. That's part of the evaluation. But the other part of the evaluation is, yeah, yesterday, Alexander Madison, that was probably his best game of the season. And it was still like, boy, there were opportunities there to have much more. I mean, the Vikings ran for almost 200 yards yesterday. Not quite the 250 that I had predicted. Might have been a touch over the top, but that's all right. My point is this. Okay, here's what it is. 175 yards running. And it could have been more. How many times did we see Alexander Madison go off tackle for 11 yards and Ty Chandler would have taken it for at least 20? Three by my count. 
So all I'm going to say is this. And I jokingly said this, like, does Alexander Madison have some dirt on Kevin O'Connell? Like he's got some photographs in a compromising position and that's, he's using that as blackmail to constantly say, Nope, he's going to be my starting running back. I don't know. All I know is that it was a missed opportunity yesterday. Now, Kevin O'Connell, you talk all this, you talk all this big game about when the team is turning the ball over. I mean, look at the Vikings games this year. When they turn the ball over, they lose. And when they don't, they win. Now, you can't eliminate turnovers, but there's just way too many. It's just too many. You're not going to win consistently. And you're not going to be able to have your defense bail you out all the time. Against San Francisco, they turned the ball over on their first drive, and the defense got a turnover back. So that's a wash. Your defense is not going to be able to cover for you that much. It's just ridiculous how many turnovers we have had on the first possession or the first two possessions this year. I mean, make it stop. Please do something, KOC. I'm sorry, but this is on you. This is absolutely on you. Oh, well, you know, I heard this quote in his uh, presser. I think it was yesterday after the game. You know, we've learned this lesson before. We're going to have to do this and this. Clearly, you didn't learn your lesson. It was still happening, and you made this threat. If these guys don't stop turning the ball over, I'm going to start benching people until they figure out that they can't keep doing that. All right. So where are you at with that? Where are you at? Because I ain't seen anybody getting benched. Certainly not Alexander Madison. His fumble in the red zone is what completely turned that game around. You're up 17 to nine. You're up eight points. You're about to score a touchdown. You've gone up and down the field on that drive. And then he fumbles it. And that's where Denver said, all right, you know what? You're going to keep turning the ball over. We're going to stay in this game. You put a touchdown on that board, go up 24 to nine or maybe 23. Who knows? Greg Joseph and all, but you'd been up 14 or 15 points. They were not going to be able to score that many points against you. The way the defense was playing. That fumble is really what set that game into a loss. Was that the only reason they lost yesterday? No. Yeah, you can talk a little bit about the officiating, but I'm not here to talk about the officiating when you turn the ball over three times. No, I'm not listening to that. That You can talk about it, but that ain't the main reason they lost. Period. End of discussion. So all I'm going to say is this. It's kind of like being a parent. You love your kids. You want to shield them from as many evils of the world that there are right but at some point there are days where you have to be a parent i am your dad i am not your friend as i say to my daughter all the time kevin o'connell you are the head coach you're not their friend if you got to go to alexander madison and be like dude i'm benching you because you ain't getting the job done and you're fumbling too daggone much sorry i appreciate loyalty i appreciate being a player's coach i appreciate empowering players Unlike Zimmer, who just tore everybody down all the time. But Zimmer, to his credit, you want to know, he would have already pinched Alexander Madison. And he would have called Alexander Madison out in the media. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. But what I am saying is you cannot continue to go on and on with all of these turnovers. And you cannot continue to not be playing your best players. I'm sorry. Alexander Madison should not be getting the bulk of the carries. He shouldn't. He just shouldn't. As far as the rest of KLC, you know, last week came out on fire to first half, second half, play calling too conservative, this, that, and whatever else. This week, what in the heck are you thinking on the third play of the game, putting TJ Hawkinson under center to do a toss, toss play to your quarterback? You on your fourth string quarterback, and you're going to put your team 
in a position to get your quarterback's bell rung like that. Now, again, it's football stuff happens, but you got that guy. And in fact, he just got suspended for four games for that hit. Uh, Jackson, I think his name is. Yeah. What the heck were you thinking? There were times last year where I said, you know what? The Vikings lost this game because KLC outsmarted himself and he hasn't learned that lesson. He's still trying to be the smartest guy in the room. And uh, don't get me wrong. I like Kevin O'Connell. You do a lot of good things, but you do a lot of stupid things where you're just trying to be, you're outsmarting yourself. It's as simple as that. Keep it simple. Yes. Defenses are now that they have seen Josh Dobb for two plus games now, they're going to make their adjustments. You've got to make adjustments to your dressing. We always talk about, well, we went into halftime and made some halftime adjustments. And then this person out coached somebody else and they didn't make the counter adjustments to the adjustments. Okay. That, that fits Kevin O'Connell right now. He's really good at scheming up. You know, they always say the first 15 scripted plays and all this other good stuff. He's real good at that when we don't turn the ball over. And again, at some point, the turnovers, yeah, it's on coaching, but it's also on the players to execute the plays too. But come on, dude, you had an opportunity to put a death nail into getting a wild card spot. And now you're going to be in a dog fight for the rest of the season. Because you guys completely blew a game that you completely and utterly dominated. They had 35 minutes time of possession, 35 to 25 to the Vikings. And getting back to the part about don't blame the defense, the defense was gassed because they kept turning the ball over. So, KLC, this one's on you. Number one reason they lost, KLC. Number two, Alexander Madison. I'm not letting Josh Dobbs off the hook. I mean, you know, he had the fumble, he had the interception on a blitz. And for all the Kirk stands out there saying, oh, see, you know, Kirk Cousins would have done this, Kirk, whatever. When the offensive line wasn't all that good and Kirk Cousins wasn't winning a game or was turning the ball over through a bad pass or through an interception. So, well, it's the offensive line. He, he didn't have all that much time. Okay, have that same energy. When Josh Dobbs gets blitzed and the one time that Ty Chandler didn't pick him up very well, hit his arm and his interception, you, you, the same group of people that wanted to give Kirk a pass want to blame Josh Dobbs for that. All right, whatever. You can miss me with that mess. But... What I'm really saying is this. Offensively, you're really good at moving the ball between the 20s, but our red zone offense, yeah, okay. Great touchdown pass by Josh Jobs. I did a short, so if you didn't see it, I put a short together, called it uh, Josh Houdini. Because <laughs> that was just absolutely ridiculous. He's rolling out, and you know what Kirk would have done? He would have threw that ball away. Okay. Great play. Great run. So he counted for both the touchdowns yesterday. But this offense... Red zone woes continue. You still only have one running back rushing touchdown this year. One. One through 11 games. Our running backs have scored exactly one touchdown. And that was by Cam Akers, who is out for the season. I mean, I'm sorry. Getting back to the Alexander Madison bit, it's 11 games. You ain't scored a touchdown yet. (laughs) Really? I mean, come on. Kevin O'Connell, I ain't trying to hate hate. I'm not trying to, like, pile on here but it's the same thing week after week after week and yeah you're six and five you're game above 500 you're firmly in the seventh seed and you got some games that you should be winning you should run it off wins against chicago and vegas for sure green bay for sure so that's three more wins that gets you to nine probably should at this point beat cincinnati that gets you to 10 being that they don't have joe burrow and you get a split against detroit that's 11 so yeah you can still have a successful season but realistically tampa bay the chargers this game that's three more wins you could easily be nine and two when your only losses are to kansas city and philadelphia 
mean, where, what would we be saying about the Vikings right now if they're only if they were nine and two, only losing to Philly and KC? We'd be saying, okay, we got some here. And in spite of all of the injuries, Justin Jefferson, this, Kirk Cousins, that, KJ Osborne, this, whatever, missed opportunities. Speaking of KJ Osborne, we're going to get back to him when I get to the final or one one of my next two topics when I'm going to talk about the wide receiver core in general. But yeah, one catch for seven yards yesterday. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. We got to be better, Coach O'Connell. We got to be better. I don't want to hear about lessons learned because apparently you haven't learned any lessons. This team is turning the ball over way the heck too many times. And I don't want to hear, oh, the better team lost yesterday. No, you don't turn the ball over and call yourself a better team. Particularly when some of them were unforced errors. It drop passes or uh, uh, muffed exchanges. You're not better. I mean, yeah, on paper, if the Vikings and the Broncos were to play each other 10 times on neutral fields. I'd probably pick the Vikings six, maybe seven times. Sure. But we don't play it on paper. We don't play on neutral fields unless it's a Super Bowl. So I'm not going to say that they were the better team because if they were the better team, they would find a way not to turn the daggone ball over so much. But that's just me. Playoffs. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. Vikings are still in the seventh seed, even with the loss yesterday. That's all right. But they're only a game and a half up on our old friends, the Green Bay Packers, who got that victory yesterday and now at four and six. You're right behind Seattle, six and four, and Dallas at seven and three for the other two wildcard spots. I said it last week. Get up to that fifth seed so that you can play New Orleans or Atlanta if you can't win the division, which, as I said earlier, doesn't look to be very, very good right now. But having said that, you still got a grip on the seventh seed. And again, you're fighting off Green Bay, the Rams, who are terrible, who should have had a victory over the uh, Sea Chickens yesterday, the Falcons, who you've got a tiebreaker over, Tampa Bay. Yeah, okay, you don't have the tiebreaker over them, but. Other than that, you got garbage teams and the Commanders, the Giants, the Bears, Cardinals, Packers, uh, Panthers. Excuse me. You can st- again as long you beat Chicago, Green Bay, Vegas, that gets you to nine, and Cincinnati gets you to ten. That should get you a wild card spot. Now again, are we jumping for joy for getting to the wild card round and losing in the first round again? No, not really. But again, you have to adjust your expectations. If it was Kirk Cousins. And Justin Jefferson being healthy all year and you lost in a wild card round, that would be a disappointment. With where you're at now, huh, that'd be a, okay. We got something to build on. And we can give a game to New Orleans or Atlanta if we get up to the five seed. Do I think we could beat Philly or San Francisco? No. I know we beat San Francisco earlier, but then they trade for Chase Young. We're not beating San Francisco again. San Francisco is a is a notch and a half above us. But we can still make this, we can still make these playoffs. Do I think we can do some damage? Maybe a little bit. Maybe get to the division around and hopefully remain competitive. But for where this team is at, that's a step in the right direction. Now, if you fall flat against the Bears, as I said earlier, you go back to Jaron Hall at that point. I don't care. I, I want to see Hall for the rest of the season at that point. Because that's what I wanted before when Kirk Cousins went down. But you can still make these playoffs. We can do, still do something. We're still in a good position. They really would have to fall flat on their face. Like I said, I know Green Bay's a game and a half, you know, one game back in the loss column, but we already have a victory against them. We should get a victory against them on New Year's Eve. So we should be able to hold off this team's behind us. Maybe we sneak up and get to the six, maybe even the five. It's going to be tough, but it's doable. Stop turning the ball over. Stop turning the ball over. You go to the playoffs. It's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. But we'll see. Thank you kindly for joining me today. Please follow me on YouTube, Purple and Gold for Days. And for now, Skull.
to the next episode. You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.